We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day. Three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack a Day Podcast, the pre draft Jake Kumaro edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. And I am your host, Jacob Morley. And you can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley. You can uh, find my co-host, who joins me as always today, Ross Uglum. Find him on Twitter at Ross Uglum. And Ross, how is uh, how is your off season? Oh, it's it's great. And you know, as you know, people know about us. We're North Dakota State guys. I have the twenty four seven sports site there, Bison Report. And for the second time in ten or eleven years, they will not finish the season as national champions. So. For the first time since uh, July, whenever the hell the Packers went to camp, I don't have anything to cover. It's I don't hate it. Yeah, and I, I loved watching this North Dakota State team. And, and the reason I asked you how your offseason's going is, I don't know, have you seen that clip of Matt LaFleur when I think it was Huebner? that asked him that question, and LaFleur, like, the look on his face was absolutely priceless. Just kind of the wide-eyed, like, <laughs> slow nodding of the head, like, yeah, it's great, man. It was, uh, was Huber, and he was 100% like, everything spectacular, Bill, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, pal. <laughs> uh, great question. Yeah, no, great question from Bill there, just just based off of the response that it got from him. Uh, just incredible. Well, it wasn't um, even a question. It was a legitimate pleasantry. That's the best yeah, part. Yeah, it's just that, like, hope your life's going great, and Matt's like, I want to die. <laughs> just hello, darkness, my old friend, playing in the background. <laughs> oh, man. We laugh so we don't cry. That's what I always say. Um, so... So let's dig into the, the latest news. And honestly, Ross, I, I'm already sick of talking about this. Um, and I think you mentioned it kind of today on Twitter. Where it's like, we all need to take a step back. Like, I think maybe, just maybe, some of this is being blown out of proportion. And if you listen to AJ Hawk today on the Pat McAfee podcast, it seems that way. I mean, AJ Hawk was with him all weekend, one of his very best friends, and went out of his way to say that, Hey, the fire, I'm not coming back unless you fire Goody. That's complete garbage. Not true. 
He just and and he he wanted to say I'm not speaking for Aaron, but just the vibe I got from him all weekend and just me knowing the guy that's not true. And then secondly, him saying you know the retiring stuff is just he said that's absolutely false as well. Um, he is not going to retire. So that leaves you with a couple options: either he plays for Green Bay or he plays for someone else. And you know we've we've gone back and forth on this all day, all weekend really. And the, the crazy news that came out today, Ross, is the Jake Kumaro stuff. And what are we supposed to make of this? Like, if Aaron Rodgers wants to put on his front office eval hat on, fine. But I don't think he's put in the work. <laughs> because Jake Kumaro, like we talked about pre-production here, he's been on several rosters. And the Packers aren't the only team that thought he was not an NFL player. I think it more lies with a bunch of little things leading up to that, and that was kind of the breaking point, especially because if we know if we know QB1, he, I think he's a, he's a sensitive guy. He really is. And he takes some of these slights to heart, and some people call it pettiness. I would, but I think the fact of the matter, Ross, is he basically said, hey, this Jake Kumro is going to help us out a lot this year. I am basically I'm pounding the table for this guy. I'm gassing him up, and the next day he was cut. And I think that hurt his feelings because it made it made him look silly, right? It made him say like, "Hey, I was talking about this guy," and the next day you guys say he's not even worthy of being on the roster. That makes me look dumb. I went on a limb for this guy, and you cut him. Um, so I think a lot of that was kind of a breaking point for him. And I don't know. We're all speculating here, but. You know, give me your quick, you know, thoughts on just everything that's kind of happened today, if you can sift through all of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Uh, uh, Kumaro is fine, I guess, as like a fourth receiver, but he really can't be a fifth receiver. And I know everybody's going to say you sound like an idiot right now, but your fifth receiver has to be able to help out on teams. And Kumaro is just not – the type of athlete that is a you know a money player uh, on teams. He's he's a like a below average NFL wide receiver, but he doesn't have special teams value, and that's kind of his problem uh, from a roster perspective. So if you have a couple of injuries at the receiver position, yeah, he can come in and and you know occasionally make a play down the sideline or, or do whatever within the confines of your offense. But as far as keeping him on a 53 all season long, that's really hard to do because he just doesn't have special teams value. I mean, you can make the argument that no one really had special teams value on this team last year. Yeah. But that's, 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 that's beside true. the point, you know? But I mean, you put, you put Jake Kumaro in Malik Taylor's 220 special teams reps. It's worse. Like it's worse. It's, yeah. it's worse. Yeah, and and that's the question too. And I and I don't think we have to convince Packers fans. We don't have to convince people. Like I think anyone that has watched this team knows that. Okay, if you're gonna so then if you're gonna talk about guys that don't play teams that play regular snaps on offense. Okay, so which one of which one of MVS and Al Lazard are you gonna cut for Jake Kumaro? Which one of those guys? You know. And so I think that's kind of what it boils down to. And honestly, MVS and Lazard played more play play teams. So uh, it, it's just. It's just wild that that's the news that came out today, and that's the name. And I think Packers fans as a whole, what's interesting to me is, you know, there are people that are going to blindly follow Aaron Rodgers, and there are people that are going to blindly follow Green Bay, you know, and, and say one of these people are at fault. Clearly both people are at fault. AJ, you know, A.J. Hawk even said as much today on the McAfee show. He didn't leave Aaron Rodgers out of that sentence when he said both sides are at fault. And I think that's where it's at. But I, but I don't know if Aaron necessarily understood the backlash that he would be getting from Packers fans because I'm old enough to have lived through the Brett Favre stuff, Ross, and it seemed like Brett had a lot more people on his side than Aaron does right now just because of the, the level of pettiness that I think that Aaron is showing and, and the level of how much we don't know either. You know, we're not in the building. We're not there every single day being annoyed because I think all of us can probably point to something in their life that if you've had a roommate or a coworker or a you know fellow classmate or someone that you spend a lot of time around, 
and it's just a bunch of little things that annoy the crap out of you, and you eventually want to rip your hair out. And it just it feels like that's what it is. And I don't know if they're going to be able to sit down and figure it out. I sure hope so, because this would be extremely sad if this if if this whole deal ends over someone's feelings being hurt, essentially. So I I do think that it's going to get worked out. I just it, it just all it just doesn't make enough sense to me for it not to. But um, th- there's going to be so it's going to be Rogers Watch 2021. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. And Ross, we're going to talk about you know, and th- this today's episode is supposed to be on Eric Stokes, the Packers' first round draft pick, 29th overall. Who it feels like six months ago he was the first round draft pick. And before we dive into him, and I know there's been breakdowns of him already. And Packers fans have probably consumed as much content on Eric Stokes as they can because that's just the types of fans um, that we are. So what I do want to ask you, Ross, and I'll give you my answer to this as well, and uh, our buddy Kent Swanson can confirm it, but what was your initial reaction, like gut reaction, when that was the pick? Um. Very, uh, you know, not overwhelmed, not underwhelmed. I was whelmed. Um, I was gunning for Rashad Bateman, and I was in mourning um, over the Baltimore Ravens firing. And I was on Twitter yelling about trading down. And honestly, I actually think, um, although some scouts disagree, and that's, you know, an important uh, distinction is, Scouts, people in the NFL love this pick. They they love this pick. And that's what's kind of odd to me um, is that, like, draft media was like, yeah, whatever. Scouts were like, oh, hell yeah. So that's a little bit interesting. But that was, you know, where I was at. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Top Top 60 player for me. And we're past the point where all my blue chippers are anyway. And he's a corner. And he's a 90th plus percentile athlete. Every, all of this is making sense. Yeah, I can agree with all of that, except <clears throat> I think for me, the biggest issue I had was the fact that, like you said, Bateman just came off the board and Greg Newsom just came off the board, two guys that I was campaigning for all, all draft season. And everything that I had heard essentially was the Packers are not leaving round one without Rashad Bateman. There was a lot of smoke around that. So the fact that, one, I, I just kept waiting for the Packers to trade up because I knew that Baltimore was going to take them. Like, I feel like everyone and their mother knew that Baltimore was going to take Rashad Bateman because they knew the Packers would if they did. And that's what happened. So to me, it was like, okay, so does Goody not – did he not actually want him? Because he had the firepower to go up and get him. And then so I'm sitting there thinking, well, the other wide receiver is Elijah Moore – that has been linked to Green Bay, that's going to be the pick. And that's why they didn't move up is because they were going to leave round one with either Bateman or Moore, and it got to a point where it's like, hey, we're going to get one of these guys, and that's going to be that. And so when the pick was Eric Stokes, I, I turned around. Kent was uh, Kent was behind me, and he was doing a live show for Arrowhead Pride, and I was on the couch looking at it. And I just remember I turned around, I looked at him, put my thumb down, and made a fart noise. And that's basically how I felt. Right away, Be- because I was just like, like you said, like I wasn't, I wasn't mad about it. I just really didn't think that that who the pick was going to be, and and Stokes was a guy that was linked to Green Bay for so long, but kind of always the guy that I feel like we kind of ignored because we were just like, ah, but there's there are these other sexier sexier options that I think they're going to take in round one, and Eric Stokes was kind of the Plan B type guy, and you know, getting getting beyond that, that's a pick that. I felt better about the Eric Stokes round one pick after they picked up Amari Rogers in in the third, because then they went out and got that slot type receiver that I thought this offense just desperately needed. And I love Amari Rogers, but he's not a guy that we're going to talk about. So you look around. Can we talk about him really quick though? Because I want to I want to give I want to give something away here, if 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 you will. Um, We this is over at Pack Report right now for our VIPs, we're going to share this in the hopes that you guys understand kind of the value of being a Pack Report VIP. Here is, I want to read you the, the scouts take on Stokes and on Rogers. 
because I found this very interesting. And to me, it explains the Stokes over Amari or Stokes over uh, Elijah Moore thing. Well, and Rondale Moore uh, as their gadget guy situation. Scouts, Scout says he's legit. Good cover skills. Great feel for the game. He can really run. I mean, you saw his 40 time. He can run. He plays fast, too. When they took King, he worked out fast, but never played that fast. This guy plays the way he worked out. He's a player, not just a workout guy. I've seen people question his ball skills, but he's not an A ball skills-wise. How many are? He's a solid B. It's perfect. You have him and Alexander. That's some combo at corner. They're set there now. That was a good pick at 29. Yeah, I had Newsom a little higher, but they're close, real close. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That is what I mean when I'm saying, like, people in the league have just a completely different opinion of this Stokes kid than draft media. Here's the really interesting one to me, though. This scout on Amari. I love him. He's quick. He's explosive. He has the best yak of anyone. Don't worry about his speed. He plays faster than he times. I had him going in the bottom of the first round, early second, at the latest, they got a steal. You had Chase, the two Alabama guys, and then I had him even with Tony. Tony's more freelance, Rodgers is more polished. He'll be great in that offense, especially with all those bigger receivers they have. Just get him the ball. My my blood's pumping a little bit right now. How's yours? Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah, I, and that's what, exactly what you see when you turn on the tape for Amario. And that's what we were pounding the table for, right? And that's why if I, I always said, like, if they're going to take Kadarius over, like, an Elijah Morris, because they think Kadarius is better with the ball in his hands because he is a little bit bigger, and that, that's Amari. Like, I actually you, – you look at these two and you say, okay, so what is the major difference between Kadarius Tony and Amari Rogers? There isn't a heck of a lot of one, right? And I think Amari, too, like, it, he's fun, man. Like, you put the ball in his hands, and, and, and I talked about it last week. I said Elijah Moore – and Elijah Moore, mind you, he's a better route runner right now. Like, I, I will give him that. But Elijah Moore, I've never seen break a tackle, right? So you want to talk about horizontal passing game? And, and and helping that area out, which is something we've been talking about all offseason as the key to unlock this offense. Give me that guy that you can throw 
a two-yard hitch to, and he, th- he turns it into a 12-yard gain consistently by breaking tackles, by putting him out there one-on-one with slot corners. My man is 212, 215. Like, he is a load to get to the ground. You talk about when he was at the Exos Combine, they compared they compared Amari Rogers' thigh, like his quads and his thighs, to A.J. Dillon. Like, that's how he's built. And so, like, I think that stuff's going to be going on, too. But now we're talking about a wide receiver, a, a man with hands that can route people up, that can do a lot from the slot, that can get vertical, that can take a fly, you know. So he, he is just, like, after you see that pick, it makes so much sense. The only reason we wrote him off, Ross, is because he just didn't typically fit the athletic profile that we, we typically look for in wide receivers. But I think if we learned anything from this year's draft, it's that, and I think you're the guy spearheading this kind of this idea of they may view slot offensive weapons and slot def- defensive players as a different type of threshold. Like you don't need to be the same type of athlete to be working, you know, the middle of the field. And so it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, the, uh, the, Appalachian State kid too like that's it's another thing like it's the same thing like they just drafted a player which is fun it's a little bit different um but we'll see how it pans out you know this this is a group that in a group of front office guys that typically errs on the side of betting on um athletic profile and this year they they, yeah they, they bet on they bet on football players and what people big people I mean they they like big people yeah, yeah, they do. Um, and so it, it's it's different. But I think you, they talked about it in the presser. We This guy's a football player. Like, I think Goody said sometimes it's more about the football player than the athletic tester. And I think that this draft was kind of a good mixture of the two. Because it's not like they didn't draft athletes. Oh, boy, they did. Like, we're going to get back to Eric Stokes here in a second. My dude is an athlete. Um, Josh Myers. Low-key, so is TJ Slayton, who I am falling in love with. Yeah, and the thing about Slayton is when you first watch him, is you say, well, he's he's a plugger, right? And he is. He is. Like, he's going to come in and do that from day one. But you also start watching him in depth a little bit more, and you say, wow, could he be a guy that, you know, I'm not talking he's going to be getting five sacks a season even, but could he be a guy that can give you a little bit of juice in, in the – Like 25 uh, pressures. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. That'd be, yeah. I mean, I don't think people realize how valuable that is from that position. And then yeah. on top of doing what he already does as, as a run defender, he's and he's a young dude too. He's he's kind of fits their mold of a 21, 20 year old kid um, that is uh, is going to be a lot of fun. But let's get back to Stokes, this because we're 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 stepping on other people's toes now, Ross. That's not our episode. Um, so you talked about you talked about Stokes already. Uh, I think the positives are when you watch him, he does, man, he moves. Like, he moves really well. Um, I think with him, his change of direction can be kind of spotty at times, which is interesting because of how athletic he is. But I believe people were talking about when he's in a straight line, he, he's a glitch-type player. He's, he's, he's a legit, like, Tyreek Hill type of guy where it's like, wow, he got from that point to that point really fast. And and he plays that way. I think with him, when you look at him though, and say, okay, what is he going to struggle with? What's he going to if he fails? What where will he fail? It'll be if you know if if. And it's funny to say this because it looks like they're going to play a ton of zone, but I, that's where I think, and this is just my opinion, that's where I think he may struggle at the NFL level is is playing some of that zone because he can be he can be slow to change directions. His click and close isn't always the best. His the way he opens up his hips is not always great. Um uh, but our buddy Eric Crocker talked about a lot of that is technique. A lot of that is him still trying to figure out what technique suits him best. And so I think with Jerry Gray in Green Bay, there's he's just got a tool, just an absolute ball of clay to work with here. Who's not a I mean, who's not a bad player right now. It's not like he's just a complete upside kid. He played good football in the SEC against really good receivers and held his own. So Ross, um, what are your thoughts, I guess, on on the Eric Stokes? Give me your positives. So give me give me your if Eric Stokes is successful, this is why. And if Eric Stokes fails, this is why. Yeah, I mean like here's the thing. Number one is the production and the experience and he was for his, you know, age group. I'm not going to include Stingley in this. 
he was the second best corner in the SEC for his time in the SEC, basically outside of Sertan uh, from a production standpoint. I know people like um, Horn better than him as a prospect, but I'm just talking about actual production and yards against, et cetera, et cetera. Outside of Sertan, he was, you know, the best. When we're talking about opposing passer rating, um, pass breakups, interceptions, et cetera, he was a dog in the AC or in the SEC for three seasons. You can't teach four two speed. It's, it's, it's not you know, um, and that's you know that's how he's going to succeed if he does succeed is that ability to just blaze and um, then you know get some decent coaching and get some decent development at the next level. If he doesn't succeed, it's because he does everything wrong. Kevin King does wrong, but he'll never get beat deep. Like Kevin King somehow did being six, three running a four, three. I never understood how that guy ever got beat over the top, but Eric Stokes won't get beat over the top. It won't happen. Like it just, he, he has, unless you're throwing a low laser go route and your guy has Stokes by five or six yards, it, it ain't going to happen. He, he's going to catch up to the football. I would like to loosen up my man's ankles and my man's hips. They are, he is a tight athlete right now. Um, I need him to be able to change direction quicker. I need him to be balanced at the top of the route. I need him to not grab so much, uh, but but those seem to be teachable things. And the things you can't teach, he's got those. Yeah, and I think our comp for him was Darius Slay coming out of Mississippi State. And similar athletic profiles, I think similar concerns coming out. And, you know, Slay basically figured out his technique and, and became a little bit more physical coming out of Mississippi State. And I think if Stokes can do that, he, he can have a similar career. That could, I think I truly think that can be – the type of corner that he can he can be. And the best thing about it is he's never going to be asked to go out and cover number one receivers, not as long as Jair's here. You know, so, like, and if you can – and I think that's what that scout is talking about when he said that's a, that's a really good pairing because they do, they do match really well, where you can just say, Jair, we're going to – you know, or we'll just play on, on sides, whatever. But, you know, I would like them to see – them matching Jair with top receivers and then say, Stokes, go, go take out, go, go. Well, and that's, that's the thing too, you know, Jake is it, if Slay is a 20th percentile outcome for this guy, that's fine. But my God in heaven, I mean, if they actually got Darius Slay, not now Darius Slay, when he's friggin' 21 or however old this kid is 22, I think he just turned 22 if they can get a contract and a second contract of Darius Slay out of this kid, what an unbelievable value and what a legitimately unbelievable cornerback pairing. The gap between prime Darius Slay and Kevin King, specifically the version of Kevin King we saw last year, is enormous. Yeah. Yeah, and that can't be understated <laughs> how enormous that is. Uh, but corner is such a volatile position, too. You know, you hit on these guys, and sometimes the guys are terrible. But if there is one thing I really like about this kid as well, it is, it is his character as well. You talk about just the guy off the field, and I think that's why that's why the NFL is maybe higher on him than draft Twitter is, is because they're the people that have the teams that get to go in and talk to these guys and kind of see what makes them tick. And every guy I've talked to in the NFL as well is – they they love they love the kid they love the they love what's between the ears and they think he's going to do whatever it takes to make himself the best version of himself that he can be which is not an exact science that might be the hardest thing to do in the National Football League but they at least really like what they see um, from the process and what they hear from the Kirby Smarts of the world and you know the SEC coaches that have faced him that have coached him and the kids that have faced up against him so. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun to see how this unravels because this secondary could be really freaking good. You know, it's it's it, and this is different than saying this secondary can be really good after drafting 
Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins. You know, when we were all jazzed up about that, of, oh, what if these guys both hit? There's legitimately three really good football players in this Packers secondary right now, and they took a guy in Stokes who has very high upside, and they took and, you know and they have slot options on the team right now that you know you should be excited about. So and uh, so it's just it is exciting to just think of the future when you just the other think thing of the that too is I got I mean people questioning this pick I will tell you. Tyson Campbell is not as good as Eric Stokes, flat out. And my man went like four picks later. Yeah. I I mean, you watch Georgia on film and where their quote-unquote problems come from, they aren't from Eric Stokes. They don't even throw it over there, (laughs) to be honest with you. No, they don't. And that's that's the thing is when – I really dove deep into him. That's the thing that stands out is like, man, they really just don't try. They don't go after this kid. And I think there was a stat that came out. It's like, you know, in the last two years, Stokes has played Waddle, Smith, Chase, Jefferson, and someone else, probably Ruggs. Um, And it's like he was targeted 11 times and gave up seven, you know, seven receptions. But the fact of the matter is that's like (laughs) – you know, in the last two years against those guys, that's four games at least. So he's getting targeted three times a game, and those are giving up about a catch and a half against some of the premier wide receivers in SEC football. That's pretty dang good. Like he's going to be he's going to be playing less talented receivers at certain points um, of his NFL career than he has been in college, and that's you know that's the beauty of taking an SEC corner that's played really well. But Ross, you talked about grades. You know, the the draft Twitter consensus grade for this Packers draft was, you know, you know, around a B. You know, pretty good. Could have been better. Could have been worse. But let's give out some grades that, that actually matter. Grading on these rookies' numbers. I don't know if you saw this today, but Packers.com came out and they, they have assigned the rookies' numbers. So we're going to play a really quick, simple game. I'm going to go pick by pick. I'm going to tell you what number they're wearing. I want you to talk to me about the aesthetic value of that number and whether or not that's going to make the player better or worse, okay? So we're going to start with our man, Eric Stokes, who we've known this for a while, but Eric Stokes wearing number 21. Ross, what are your initial thoughts at the number 21 getting handed to our dude, Eric Stokes? Oh, stock way up. No question about it. Um, Defensive player of the year, Charles Woodson. Number 21, uh, Craig Newsom, number 21. Uh, just a very much a corners number. You know, you think of, of, of obviously Dion, but guys that have, have worn that number and been exceptional, it just looks good on a DB. 21 is very clean and, uh, yeah, 100%. Um, I am. I'm all about it. That's that's going to be a excellent uh, number for that young man and uh, stock up for sure. That's a that's a starting corner number. I mean, there's there's no question about that. Like when you w- when I got real sad about Josh Jackson wearing 37. Mm-hmm. This is the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. It could have gone. It could have gone real sour. Thirty-seven was not a great selection, even though Sam Shields tried to remedy it. Uh, he didn't have a long enough career on that. But yeah, twenty-one is an A plus number. Um, you, you can start and stop with Charles Woodson in Green Bay. Um, right. Just so clean, so clean. Um, so I, I'm excited about that. But like prime, moving on to, uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, it comes I mean, with you, a certain level of swag that you need to play yes. to wear that number. Yeah, and so I, I think I hope. Because that's my one thing with Stokes as well is I wish he talked more shit when he wants <laughs> to and I love it like that's that's why I fell in love with Jaira at Louisville was my man never stopped talking and he backed it up. Stokes is a quiet dude, which is fine. You know Al Harris never said a word on the field and he was fantastic. So, but I just hope if twenty one can bring that out of him and if there's any number that can, it's twenty one. So that's my hope for him. Uh, moving on, you know, not as we'll get into some of the hog mollies here, some of the big uglies. Josh Myers, seventy-one. Um, I think you know when you look at the history of Green Bay Packers, that's Josh Sitton's number. You know, Josh Myers, yeah. can he be that type of player? I don't know. 
71 for a center. I, I will say I, I prefer my centers to be in the 60s. Um, I prefer my tackles to be in the 70s. So I, I'd give this one a B minus. Not my favorite number choice for a guy that's going to be playing center guard. Ross, thoughts? Yeah, it's a guard's number. It's a guard's number or tackle's number. I need my centers wearing 50 or 60. Mm-hmm. Um, I love centers that wear 50. It's like my favorite thing. It hasn't yeah. worked out yet for Garrett Bradbury, but, you know, uh, Mike Flanagan, Frank Winters, mm-hmm. like that's that's prime center aesthetic, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, so maybe so maybe the uh, maybe the future for him is at guard. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> You're gonna have to tell the young man like it ain't gonna yeah, work yeah, out. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry you have to pick a different number. Uh, yeah. Speaking so fun, fun numbers coming up with a third round pick. Amari Rogers, really the only rookie in this class that's taking advantage of the new rules. And my man said, "Give me number eight. Give me number eight. I want to slap that bad boy on my chest and run dudes over with that." And it's basically like this is what would have happened 17 years ago if Ryan Longwell wasn't on the team when Aaron Rodgers got drafted. He'd be wearing eight. So. Later on, full circle, Amari Rodgers wear number eight. And Ross, I'll start. I love it. I love the single-digit number on this dude. I love that the fact that it not only is it a single-digit number, he's going to be lining up all over the field, inside, outside, in the backfield. And I just think it's going to be a lot of fun. That's an A-plus number, A-plus selection for the young man for me. Oh, and it's a top It's a top single-digit number because it's perfectly symmetrical. Like, obviously, it's an eight. It's, it's, it's just gorgeous. And it's – it completes the three that he wore in college. All you're doing is just completing the circles on that three. Um, cleaner than clean. If I would ever put any player in a single-digit number, it would be either a nickel corner or a gadget. Somebody, if you want to rock a single-digit number, your ass better be in the slot, and that is where my man Amari is going to operate a++ stock up to the moon, uh, you know, legitimate Packers Hall of Fame type stuff uh, with this number eight on his on his chest. It's just, it, it, I mean, I, I couldn't be more thrilled for the young man. I want to congratulate him. Um, I want to congratulate him and buy a jersey. I might do that. Yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, Packers fourth-round draft pick, the fourth-round offensive lineman that will without a doubt be an all-pro within three years just because that is how the Packers roll. And his name is Royce Newman, wearing number 70, tackle guard. Um, thoughts on that, Ross? We just talked about the 70s number is more of a tackles number, but Josh Myers in 71, Josh Sitton in 71, TJ Lang, kind of the same same deal, right? Tackle guard type kid wearing 70. What are your thoughts on 70 for, for young Royce? Perfect number. Yeah, excellent number. Great choice. Um Allows you to not look like an idiot, whether you're a tackle or guard. So it's uh, it's a top-notch, top-notch situation. It's a very versatile number. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, TJ rocked that number. Uh, I'm a big fan of the, you know, uh, versatile piece rocking it, uh, a 7-0 because, you know, Alex Light rocked that. He was a tackle. TJ rocked that. He was a guard. It's gonna be it's gonna be perfect. Yeah, I love it a lot. I'll give that a B plus. Um, just because seventy is not my favorite seventies number, but it, it seems fitting for him. But this is another one that I'm excited to get to, and it is Mr. TJ Slayton, and he is bringing back. And I think a lot of people are excited about this. And the first thought that you go to is. Gilbert Brown, Grave Digger, rocking number ninety three. The Packers have not had a big space-eating nose tackle wearing number 93 since probably Gilbert. Um, and I could not be more thrilled that he went in and chose that number. And, Ross, I would like to think that young T.J. Slayton went in and he, he just researched the heck out of the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers, and he said, you know what, that Gilbert Brown guy was pretty good, and I want to do him right by wearing number 93. What are your thoughts? Oh, I, I mean – I think you're exactly right. If if you're going to play nose in Green Bay and you got a little bit of a gut, you got some size to you, um, just get my man a, a cowboy collar and a, and, a, and a dark black visor. That's what I need next for TJ Slayton. Get him some big white elbow pads, big white elbow pads, and let that gut hang out. Uh, I'm here for it. 
saw on Twitter, Gilbert's here for it. Um, everybody's ready. A plus to the moon. Um, I, I like. I want a three X version of that jersey. Yeah, same. I'm gonna wear it like a blanket. Um, <laughs> All right, I'm kind of losing track of who the Packers' next pick was, but I'm just going to go with Shamar Jean Charles, cornerback, Appalachian State. And I think this is an interesting choice for him. Um, 22. 22 for the, probably for the slot corner. What are your thoughts on, you know, the double deuce for the three-named, the three-named man out of Appalachian State? Uh, very clean. Um, love the symmetry of it. I don't know as I can't think of the last great Packer to wear twenty two. That that is one Demon Parker. Uh, yeah, Demon Parker. Never ever forget when Demon uh, fanned his feet, dust, dusted off his his, oh, yeah. his sonic feet that were on fire. But it's definitely you know a blank canvas for him because, like I said, um, I, I'm not familiar or I don't at least don't remember. Uh, a, a, a great um, number twenty-two, somebody that uh, you know was was an awesome player. Jerron McMillan, my guy, um, Marquan Manuel, Pat Lee. That that did not go um, perfectly. Our guy Bucky Brooks wore twenty-two okay. uh, for the okay. Green Bay Packers. Um, the Ripper, Aaron Ripkowski. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Khalil Bell, everyone's favorite Haas, Nick Lucci. <laughs> Eric names. Yeah. Um, Big Dexter Williams. Who Yeah. Is yep. he still on the is he still it's it's never a good sign when they give a rookie your number, is it? <laughs> right. No, it's not great. Um for, for my guy. So uh and and you know what else wasn't great for my guy? The love of my life, Kylan Hill, was also not great news for Dexter Williams. So, um, you know, but I love the symmetry. I love it for a nickel. Um, and it's a blank canvas. You know, he Eric Stokes has some weight on his shoulder putting on that 2-1. Um, young, young Mr. Gene Charles kind of has carte blanche to, to – to do the damn thing and, and make it his own. Yeah, and it's it's a fun number, so I hope he does because that's always fun to root for a guy with a fun number. So, you know, best of luck to uh, Mr. Shamar Jean Charles. Moving on, and, and this isn't going to be all positive. It's not going to be all positive. I am I'm about to dive into one that I absolutely hate, and that is Isaiah McDuffie. Don't hate the player. Hate that he chose 58 because for me, Ross, it's like, man, you're going to be a, a nickel linebacker. Do something fun, man. Like, don't go with a boring 58. That's a center's number, right? Go with, like, a 19 or something fun, you know. Uh, what, what else would it 19, 18. Even, like, a, a, a 40s number would be fun. Four, 44 is really the only good li- not linebacker number, and that one's taken. But I just, you know, I don't – I'm going to give it a D minus. I don't love 58 for a small, undersized, speedy linebacker. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Jake Ryan's 47. Um, I, I always thought his aesthetic in 47, I, no one has ever looked like more of a badass than Jake Ryan in the white pants, white top, black visor, wearing 47 in that Thursday night win over the Bears. That was peak. That that was absolutely peak. Um, terrible number. Like, congratulations, you're going to have a three-year special teams career and get cut. Or yeah. even if if things even go that well. and And you did this to yourself, young man. Yeah, um, I, it's it's going to be an uphill battle for him. Um, rooting for him, hope he does well. But you know the odds are stacked against him now, even more so. Um, the local kid, Cole Van Lanen, from uh, in the draft guide, we had him as from Green Bay. Is he from like a surrounding area? But no, um, he's from Green Bay, Bayport High School. Oh, jeez, that's insane. Um, and he wore seventy eight, which. I don't hate the number 78, but I have a hard time thinking of a a good player in my lifetime that's worn 78. So hopefully he can be that guy um, from Ross a tap. Burba. Ross Burba, but that's a little bit before me. Um, that's like, what, 96, 95? 
Um, so I, I vaguely remember that. So yeah, it's got really bad vibes. Um, of Sprigs wore it. Sprigs wore Alan it. Alan Barber. Everybody got mad at Alan Barber for everything. Um, Sherrod Spriggs. That's that's got some nasty. That's got some nasty on it um, that, that you might want to, you know, obviously try and, and get rid of. But without question, um, the best uh, the best guy is Ezra Johnson, who is a Packers Hall of Famer. Um, but he only wore it for his first two seasons and then changed his number. The, the best guy probably to keep it on the whole time is Ross Verba. Well, if there's anyone that can wash the nastiness out of off of seventy eight, it's Cole Van Lanen because he can just Is walk home. He can just walk home with doing his mom's laundry machine and do it, man. He lives right there down the street. Okay, so uh, I like the number. Uh, don't like the history of the number. Like the kid. Hope he does well. And then Ross, last but certainly not least, your boy, Kylan Hill. How do you feel about him taking number thirty two? Oh, it's just A plus again. Um, it's it's aesthetic, baby, and it's not something necessarily that has a ton of like Packers stink on it. Um, I think everybody remembers Brandon Jackson, certainly uh, Christian Michael, Cedric Benson, Devonte Mays are some recent Packers that 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 put that bad boy on. Um, Chris Banjo rocked it for for a time. People will remember Travis Jervy rocking 32. There's no question about that. But it, it doesn't carry, um, like, a lot of Packers history. Uh, but, but, but it does have some really good, you know, like, NFL, um, so, so like NFL history, right? Uh, with a guy who you know, comes immediately uh, to mind for me is Jamal, the dirty bird Anderson. But uh, that, that was just so clean. But, you know, there the multiple, multiple Hall of Famers. Marcus Allen rocked 32. Jim Brown rocked 32. Franco Harris rocked 32. The juice, O.J. Simpson, before he started murdering people, <laughs> rocked 32. Um, he... It's just a super, super clean, um, just just a very, very clean jersey number for running backs. Edge, Edron James rocked 32. Ricky Waters, MJD, like it's a clean, clean number, that number 32, uh, without a ton of like Packers pressure associated with it. Uh, absolute A-plus decision-making by uh, both the Packers and Kylan Hill. I, I'm not going to say it's got Packers Hall of Fame vibes on it right now, uh, but 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 it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a step in the right direction, and, I, and I'm happy for the young man. Yeah, I love the number, love the pick, love the player. He was When he was the pick, I legit forgot that he hadn't been picked. <laughs> Me when, too, I'm like, what? I, heard, I was like, what, Really? Awesome. Yeah. You know, the only right. player, I, they had two huge swings for me um, in that, for me, Royce Newman was not a – by rank, I had a seventh-round grade on him, but by rank, you know, he was in the 280s. He was not a draftable prospect for me just strictly by rank, but there only being 259 picks. And they took him in the fourth round, and then they took my 140th guy in Kylan Hill – at 256, uh, again, it, it doesn't matter how you get them on the team, I, I guess. You know, what, what order they come here in is, is, is very, very unimportant. Yeah, I think, he, I think he could potentially be poster boy for this is why, and I hate to say it because I love Aaron Jones, this is why you don't pay Aaron Jones because you could find a back like that in the seventh round. Like, this dude is talented. He is freaking good. He's going to be – fans are going to like him a lot. The only gripe I have with this number, the only critique I have with him picking 32 is I really wanted A.J. Dillon to pick 32 last year, and I would love if, if Kylan Hill was wearing 28. But 
that's neither here nor there because A.J. Dillon has endeared himself to that number the same as Mr. Hill will. Um, so I give that pick, I give that number pick an A minus. Um, there you have it, guys. This, what you, what you really came here for, Ross and I just wrapped up. Um, I think, Ross, I think we're going back to every other week now. So you guys will not have us every Monday. Um, it'll be every, or sorry, every, every Tuesday. Um, every other Tuesday we'll be on though. Um, getting through this off season together. It's going to take all of us. I have, I have a feeling it's going to be a long off season. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs. Um, Remember, even though you may not agree with someone, you can be nice to them still um, because I, th- I have a feeling Packers Nation is about to be split right down in the middle at, at once again. So, um, guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, hell of a draft season. We had a lot of fun. And until next time, go back up. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.